25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade presents Werewolf the Apocalypse, a review podcast. Hey folks, welcome back to uh, 25 Years, of course, and I, uh, well, 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, say the whole title, which you heard right already in the music, but I, of course, am your host, Bob, and accompany me as Mike. What's up? And DJ. Hello. It tastes pretty awesome because this is a book that we guaranteed like. Uh, it's the Cronin song, and I say guaranteed because I was told I would like it before I even read it. And I, I tried telling everybody I had not read this book, and they're like, you'll like it. And so that made me not want to read the book. <laughs> Did you guys know that about me? The more someone pushes on me, I have to read something that's the hottest, the greatest, everybody loves it. The more I'm like, uh-huh, I'll get around to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> so, so someone told me, like, oh, that's narcissistic. And I was like, no, it's it's that if you're already going to tell me details about it, you're taking from me the ability to be surprised. And if that's the case, then I, I ain't got no interest in it. So mm. why do that? And they're like, well, that's weird. I am weird. There's <laughs> weirds in. Don't know if you know that, Jack. So that's just sort of how I be. But I'm not the person to wait two years to go and revisit. I'm the person who will wait like a week. Everybody did this week. Great. Let them get excited and buzz and get done. And then, and then someone will go, did you try it yet? And I'll be like, nah, but I got a free night. And then I disappear for a bit and come back. And then I act like it just got released. And I got to tell everybody what I did with it. Right. That's you see this shit with kids. I feel that, you know, it's like, you know, it's not cool when someone ruins your, you know, it's like your pack of unopened cards. You, you know, if you're a card fan or, that book you got, you don't want them to tell you about the new, you want to explore it in your time and your pace at your enjoyment level. Right. And, uh, kind of feel it's how everybody is. It's just when something gets you good, everybody comes along for the ride if they all win it, you know? So, Croton Song happens to be that book. So, going into it with such positive energy, there are some tough questions I have for you guys lined up on purpose. Um, the authors aren't here to defend themselves, so I'm going to have you guys play that role. Now, that said, Mike, do me a favor. Hmm. Is that hole in your window, and this is what's called the segue, folks, is that hole in your window the reason why I could hear the street clearly? I I have to assume so. It's not normally like this. Is it oppressive? <laughs> well, what it is, every time a car goes by, I think everybody is going to be able to hear it on a recording, and that type of background noise is almost next to impossible to get rid of. It sounds like you're recording from the street. However, I'm going to let that go and deal with the headache of trying to deal with that, provided you tell me the story behind why that's a what type of hole and why that hole is there. Um, well, so I'm not sure that I was here when it happened. Because <laughs> I feel like it would have woke me up. But there's definitely a low caliber bullet hole in my window. <laughs> Cause like it looks like someone took a a knife and just cut the upper two thirds of the window panel out, and then right there at the bottom of the cut out part, there's that telltale little circular impact with a really really tiny uh, hole in the middle of it. <laughs> um, and I I don't I don't know what to do about that yet. I haven't reported it to the landlord, but I also don't have the talent to replace that panel. Um, I'll have to figure something out. <laughs> well, we'll try to match the pacing of the sound as we see it. That should the trick with the recording is just that as it comes up, if we're not talking when it comes up, it can be dealt with. If we are and it comes up, it can't separate the two too well, depending on how high it gets and how intervening it is. 
there are ways. And I do know some tricks, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll get to wait, it. Wait, wait. Tricks to fix the window or the bullet hole? Or the like- bull- no, 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 no. The recording. <laughs> if I could fix that bullet hole from Sweden, bro, we we need to do business. There's, there's all sorts of people in the hoods all over the world I could help out right there with some quick fix, right? Um, I could fix all Ukraine's projects right now, right, with a wave of a hand. Um, we could figure that out. And DJ, is that now your cat? Gentlemen, what are you doing here at Podcast Etiquette? I'm trying to figure this out. Is that a cat? And then now I'm hearing some weird window things. Oh no, no, you're good. No, 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 no cats. Cat. No cats over here. Um All right. Sorry. All right. So no, seriously, a Croatin song. Let's just get to that. Um, that's exactly a 10 minute mark. But um, gentlemen with the Croatin song, we know why this is so important. This is the tale of the Pure Lands. One hundred percent. It's it's the Pure Lands were talked about often with werewolves and about three specific tribes that come to it. And this book is written with a uh with a massive level of attention to entertain and I feel to enthrall and immerse uh, the reader. Um, for all the old school levels it is, this this book pretty solid. Um, as you said, as I said, we already liked that. I know I liked it. I know you both do as well. Um, but I do know there are some people who didn't find this book to be great as well and I'm going to make sure those opinions are heard. Um, but before we get into all that, let's talk about the introduction story of Renown. And simply put, Renown is a tale of three brothers competing to be declared the best. Um, they can't decide amongst themselves, so these three Guru, Utena, Croatan, and Wendigo, agree to let the spirits decide that for them. Hence the title of the story being Renown, told, told in a very, very good way. Um, of that intro story, what was your favorite part, guys, as they, as they went through there? Did you have a favorite part that stuck out to you, or did you feel it was sort of well done as is, good read on through? Uh, for me, it was the, just the, the trials specifically. Like there was a, a lot before and a little bit after, but the um, you know I think it was like a a thorn. There is a, where a part where they had to fight their own force ghosts. Um, I forget what the other trials were exactly, but it was very clear um, the personality types. That's all. I think to piggyback off of Mike when it comes to the personality types is. It's the fact that they're brothers and the states is specifically as brothers and there's three of them. And they have that, that sibling rivalry that comes into play, but also the same annoyances that would come from people having separate types of personalities. But it also has the unity of what happens when you pit brother against brother. And at the end of the day, they're like, well, we're still brothers and we still have to make it out together, which is something that makes it unique because you don't see it with the other werewolf tribes. Because if they're all supposed to be of the same, wouldn't they want to band together? The way that it's written says these are three brothers. And so the unity of it is what makes it pretty cool. All right. So with that story, did you guys feel they they prepped? Like when you, in the part of the story where they prepped by fasting for 10 days and performed extensive rituals of purification uh, before entering the Umbra, do you, do you have a feeling as to why they would do that? No clue. No clue. It it caught me off guard. I didn't, I didn't mind it. It wasn't like a problem in terms of pacing, but it felt super religious and involved in a way that I haven't come to expect from werewolves. Right. And to also say the same thing. There are times, especially, I guess it's also written in many history books, as well as people who study like religion in general, it's like there always has to be a purification process that happens prior to undertaking anything because you can't go in hot and heavy. For anything in itself uh your mind is clouded even if you were meditating you cannot go in with thought process so the them also leaning and becoming hungry they also say that the hungrier you are the smarter you are because now you start getting ready to pay attention to everything that's around you 
because you're hunting for food. So your mind is a lot more keener to take in information and make better decisions. Hmm. What if, what if you put a little more into that? Like in the story, do you recall why they said they were doing it? I remember it being something about, um, like honor, right? Like they were, like it was a matter of respect that they not be, uh, distracted. Cause like they had, I think they were fighting with each other right before they decided to take the trip. So like when, when Digo has to go into the storm and give up his wrath and, um, Utena had to take a, a, a bath to like, release something that was holding him back as well that wasn't his pride i i'm foggy but they 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 all went through certain ritual purifications of themselves to get that fight off of them but again i I just i hadn't seen that before it was cool i liked it but it was new um i saw the purification there and it sort of sets the precedent for the deep spirituality of the of the pure tribes itself i think that it's uh i don't think that's unique to them Mm-hmm. purifying themselves for the ember before they go in undergoing a rite or a trial to make that happen i think the worlds as a whole have a great sense of purity and why they would do that they take it to a different level in the reading though or the writing here i feel where it was real i don't want to call it the uh, i don't want to call it anything less than it was real extreme like 10 days of starving seems to be wow and you know before you decide to go do anything to make sure you're in there and then the intense incense they must have used and uh certain prayers of asking and whatnot. It drew the attention of the entire spirit world though. Right. They went across and you had the spirits lining up in rows and whatnot. For that effect. I just feel that effect right there in and of itself is more reverence than I felt that other tribes have written. Did you feel the same thing? Yeah. Yes. Again, when I, I, when I say it felt religious, um, I've come to feel like werewolves step into the umbra in the same way I step into the togos. You know, we need to go over here and get the get the pastrami. It, it'll be quick, and then they come right back when they're done with what they went for. And this wasn't that. This was this wasn't just going to church, right? This was like going to church on Easter. Hmm. Fair enough. Well, as part of that, do you, you you remember the part where they enter the spirit world? Luna opens a moon bridge for them so that they don't have to go through the gauntlet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, and then immediately you have Wendigo. Little brother tries to jump on the bridge, but the new tenant goes to say something about it's his right as eldest to go first because he knows where to step and how to step. And then Croton steps in and smooths it over by saying, "Hey, you know, there's room for all three of us." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the that's the point that I think hits home. That is sort of a lesson. Like I don't think this story is what you think it is. I don't think it's just telling a story of three people who happen mm-hmm. to be named this, and that maybe this is you know. How renowned form. I believe the story is a parable. There's an art form to this storytelling technique yes. that was written in. It's meant for as you're reading or reading the story of renown for you to understand the importance of renown and how you're to comport and carry yourself around these elements, such as the spirit world going across the right way of being, contrition, the respect, right? That's a great teaching mechanism, I felt, to read, to see by example, to understand what it is. These are elements that people beg for in, in modern writing that you just don't see anymore in the modern books that come out, right? You got, you got examples, you got immersion, you have uh, what one can do, not just an example, but what one could do as a storyteller when it talks about the narrator telling a tale and using it as a tool, which makes it just a beautiful piece. Now, 
do you think this was a test of Luna when she opened the the spirit the spirit bridge? Uh, the uh, I don't know why I can't talk. Excuse me. Um, the moon bridge. Thank you. When she opened the moon bridge, do you think she was trying to test test the competitiveness eh, test the competitiveness of the brothers? I don't think so. I think the. I think she already knew. Uh, it's one of those things that it's not for you to gain my favor as much as it is for you to find yourself. And I think what ended up happening, what makes that story good towards the end is that the brothers start recognizing as they start getting, they start being addressed about how their renown comes along the way. And for our listeners here, Wendigo will always go the, you know, high speed, low drag, the, the, the Brent <laughs> way. Bless you wherever you are, like just straight through it. Uktena will always be patient to try to find the secret and Crowden will always find the fact that he feels that the weight is on him or that he has to pay it as it is. He just has to take it on for what it is. And it gives it's they kept on fighting with each other in the beginning prior to this, but knowing that they went through it together, everything that they did has a place. So no one is better than the next. There is a rhyme and reason for where their renown is coming from. And I think them having to see it for themselves is what gives them what makes the story more full to me instead of them having to try to prove themselves um, to Luna for the things that they already are doing for her and to the grandmother, which is Gaia. I think yeah, it's a great it, notion. It, I just go ahead, Mike. It, it stood out. It stood out to me. Um, so I didn't, despite what had come before, when Luna drops the moon bridge in the story, it, um, it felt like it was in recognition of all of that ceremony they had just gone through to me. It felt like, oh, you guys did all of the things, um, you know, to show your respect and to purify yourselves, et cetera. I'm going to give you this here moon bridge instead of you making you take the long way through the umber on foot. Um, just because I saw that and I understood it and I appreciate it, blah, blah, blah. And the first thing the brothers can do is just demonstrate one last little, <laughs> little speck of like, uh, their conflicting natures, um, before Croatin says, Hey, hey, Let's have some honor as we step on this holy ritual bridge that we don't always get to use. <laughs> um, and it, eh, it, it, it didn't make me wonder too long, but I did, I did flag it a little bit. Hmm. So the, the three tribal totems that each brother is named after have a significance beyond, beyond witnessing their champion. But what, what is that purpose you feel? Because as the all the like I said, all the spirits lined up to see them come in, all the like literally every big or small in the Umbra lined up to pay respect. But then you also had these totem spirits show up, and the three totem specific spirits that showed up. You had the Utena, of course. You of the tribal names, right? Utena, Turtle, and then you had Wendigo itself. Wait, what wait, purpose? Said- you, the their three tri- tribal totems showed up in this story of Renown. Mm-hmm. Right, so they cross the moon bridge and they show up and they're there. But what significance do they have in showing up? That's the thing I think was was a deeper meaning. Like all the spirits were there in a row lined up, but then you see that these three were there too to pay witness or homage. And then they basically they give big ups. Right, they come walking in. Wendigo sees Wendigo and says, "Up, man, high five! Yeah, I got you. I'm, I'm gonna win this." Croton sees you know um, Turtle and is like, "Yeah, Turtle, I got this." You know, thanks, thanks for being here. Much love. And then, of course, you have Utena, who it, it's Utena, you know, <laughs> sees totem swallows of pride, wisdom hits him, and he's going to be the most cunning of badgers. He's going to make <laughs> it through, <It's> water. <laughs> right? That's that's what he's going to do. 
But I feel that that's missing the point for the obvious, because I feel that there is a deeper meaning behind those three totems being there at that time. Um, do you? And if so, would you, can you can you sort of see what their purpose might have been to actually be there? I think on my end, the highlight was definitely Croden's, if only because not many people get to hear about it, especially for those of us who are, you know, more more familiar with the revised and not spending too much time in the past. But Croden's is obviously the turtle. And what it speaks about is definitely the world being carried on its back like Atlas. There are so many decisions that the Croden that Croden brother had to make, right? That had to make the decision to to just live up to whatever it was that was being asked of him. Rather than trying to find a different way, he just had to go through with what was being asked and not trying to be as cunning as Utena or as just blunt as it would be with Wendigo. And that weighs heavily on them because I think it comes in, obviously we know what happens to the Croatan, but I think it comes in later knowing that they must burden a lot of things on themselves. But also they speak about, you know, in the story later on that it, she feels sad, you know, at one point guy or another that Croatan must carry all of this on his own, but he doesn't have to do it alone. But I think that that turtle just carrying everything on its back, slow, steady, um, also struck me as the most obvious representation of their totem and the tribe in general. Yeah, uh, similarly for me, it just it, they felt like archetype badges, right? I'm I'm partial to Lieutenant and just every it almost felt like the behavior of the brothers went on to define the nature of the totems later in in history instead of vice versa, because. When I think Utena, I think older brother. I don't look at older brother and then think Utena. So, um, yeah, it just it felt like a uh, not a merry badge, a signal that the that the spirit world understood them just as they were seeking to understand the spirit world. They, they become important later on, right? They obviously show that all three of those totems' power was needed. Hmm was needed to get through their challenges, right? They, cause they, they, the brothers face three challenges together, right? The spirit wall of thorns and Croatan needs turtle to muscle through, uh, that wall of thorns and survive it. Uh, the mountain of lava, when to go needs to pull on all the frost power there is to be able to power through that. And I think he shined in there and in the great Canyon, you know, again, you had Croatan take his way, but you also had Utena figure out the best way through that Canyon. And, and knew it from when he found it the way he did it. And best way is kind of a misnomer. It's to taste. It would be your opinion on which three brothers you actually root for to understand it. But all three didn't get anywhere without those those tribal totems helping them out. You know, those totems stepping in and granting them their strength so that they can be the champion they were meant to do. And I think, again, that's the point of the story. It's showcasing you might be a great guru, but you're nothing. Your journey will often stop right where it is based on what you face without the power of your allies. And their allies are always being referred to, I feel, as talking about the spirits. It's never just other guru. That's not just what makes them that as a whole. And I think that's a highlight of it. It makes space for them in the writing and in the tale itself. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing, I feel, because it doesn't, again, you have to sit there and go, hmm, is it just as, as it seems? And you could take the tale as that. It's just a high five. They're just showing up to watch them participate in the sport. And okay, but I feel it goes deeper. Just me. And I enjoy that, that, you know, three people can read, anybody can read this and get a deeper meaning and can get a base meaning and get the same. It's get all roads lead to Rome, right? In this regard. But are these tied to renown as well? These challenges. Like, do you see the thorns as being a test of honor and lava being a test of glory, canyon wisdom? And then that final test, 
that they had to do at the end, you know, where they face themselves. What, what do you feel that test would, would really meant? If the others were different parts of renown, then what's the final test to face themselves? I'm uh, I'm not actually sure about that. I, I, I interpreted the tests as um, confirmation for for the reader's sake. I didn't think about whether they might have been attached to the individual types of renown because each brother approaches each test in their in their own way. Right. Uh, is bringing wisdom to to every challenge, not just one or uh, another. You, you know what I'm trying to say? I, I do, but you just answered the point of the story and what you just said. If Utena answered every challenge he faced with wisdom, did not want to go a- answer each challenge he faced with glory. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Pro with honor. That's so it. then that's... what? Go ahead. So that's that, that's where I draw my question. So then, okay, those tests lined up with renown, but why did they have to face themselves? I think hmm. if anything, from my perspective, the way that I saw it was them having to face themselves in the way it's them having to. It's uh, what is it? Uh, it's getting rid of the subjective voice to a certain degree. Um, and the reason I say it or how I should phrase it is uh, the one sticks in my head is the one for Croatin, right? The Croatin meets his and what he does is he's like, all right, I know I have to face you. Big honor to you. However, because you're my guest in this place, you get to get one shot. I'll give you the one shot before I start beating on you. Right. So it's a one way of just being able to, to honor the test. And he gave him that opportunity to go ahead and do so. So it was a reflection, I think, of just looking at what it is that you stand for, but seeing it in someone else, because we can't sometimes you can't see what it is that you're doing yourself. Right. Hindsight is always twenty twenty. So having that hindsight in the form of your your avatar, for lack of a better term, or as Mike calls it, your force ghost um, and seeing how it would also behave and trying to best it and or beat your own self. Right. Uh, is what I drew from it. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. To 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 DJ's point, when I, I guess when I think of it that way, um, renown is for the spirits. Renown is for the witnesses. That still is not super symbolic of like you overcoming whatever internal struggles or challenges or um, discipline you need to have. So maybe maybe that's what's going on there. After they uh, learn how to conduct themselves in front of people, that last challenge is about personal integrity. It's interesting. On personal integrity, it's, uh, I like to think it's because they are doing challenges for spirits. It's like they're going to a big event. You know, that's, that's, like I said, it's a big athletic event and they're showing off and they got spirits to help them, whatever. That last challenge, no spirit helped them. That was on mm-hmm. their own, too. And it feels, you gotta, sure, you got to face your own demons, but I think more importantly, it felt like they were facing the Guru Nation. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Those that would come after them, would, would they be able to see and spot that virtue that they have in themselves? Right? What good is it? You may seem virtuous, but if you can't be virtuous in the end, you know, especially mm-hmm. facing yourself, how are you going to see it in others and how are you going to hold to it? And I think that integrity, I think you're correct. I'm not saying it to be wrong. I'm saying I think all that wrapped in is, again, it's deep. I enjoy, I enjoy that writing for what it is because at the end, Talks about Gaia saying this is uh, this is renowned, right? That's it's more or less what it is. It's the creation of it. This is the reason that renown is about the spirits being told. Mike, we had once debated on a podcast where you felt it was you and Nick, and it was like, oh man, renowns for the Guru Nations, for the Guru Nations, for the Guru Nation. I kept telling you, 
No, no, it's not. No, it is not. Renown is what the Gru Nation uses, but Renown has a much higher witness to what their deeds are, to hear them honored, and that's the spirits. The spirit world itself, it should be, you know, it reflects what they did. It carries it to the next generation. That's how people are going to know about what they did. Who will know you when you are gone? And it's not just the guru. It's not just your kin. And that's the important part behind, I feel, this story is to reach out and say that. However, how do you feel about Gaia not telling Crowden his fate? I wasn't surprised. I, w- I wasn't surprised. They never tell you your fate. The, the Morgan won't tell you your fate. The fates won't tell you your fate. The Oracle at Delphi tells you, the never, will tell you ugh, never tells you exactly your fate. Like, those who can see don't say. Right. It's like, after you eat this cookie, you'll feel all better about it. You, believe you don't believe in any of this hogwash. Go back to Morpheus. I don't know how I feel, but I, I do know how I feel about it. I'm, I'm one of those people where I do not understand why she didn't say anything beyond what she did. She well, gave a foreboding warning and, and basically said, you're the one who does this to yourself. And I hope you don't do that. And then that's that. And then she and then leaves it that and it's just sorrow filled. And everybody else is like, all right, let's move on. Well, so you, you remember there's a, a, a later narrative when I, I forget. Um, I think the, the character's name is like he who holds out hope in the face of despair or something like that. He's telling the story about old boy who goes under the mountain and meets the great big snake. That's like a worm, a worm avatar. And the snake tells him what's coming for the pro and later. Um, and I, I took that later passage as uh, a, an a aspect of the defiler worm sowing a seed of doubt into that guru's mind. And it made me wonder if the great big evil black snake hadn't told that guy what was coming, would it have played out that way? You know, um, Croton does have a fate that turns out to be pretty awful. But he goes out with some honor or maybe some pride or maybe both. But I have to wonder if Gaia kept her mouth shut because not saying anything preserved the opportunity for Crowen to take the lesson and not try to carry it all himself in the future. Whereas if you tell Crowen he's fated, then an honorable Garu who knows he's fated for this existential struggle is going to puff his chest out and say, yeah, this is my time. Witness me. And and kill the whole tribe. Right. Because I think to add on to it as well, it, it's exactly what you're saying, Mike, except like if you knew the the I think even Gaia mentions it at one point. Every and this is I guess a testament to like every hero type should have, you know, Hercules, Troy, whatever, they all have the fatal flaw, right? And we obviously know that Ukenna probably those bane's gonna be an issue. Wendigo's is you just go too crazy, too hot, too quick. And she tells Crowden, you're for lack of a better term, your bigger issue is that you're trying to shoulder it all by yourself. You're trying to do it all by yourself when you really should be working with other people. And like, it's good that you're trying to preserve everything and you think that you could handle everyone else's burdens as well and or go a specific path. But by her probably not mentioning to it, like Mike had mentioned, it gives him the opportunity to escape that fate. Even though she kind of sees it, there's always that point of doubt of like, just cat, will you do it? Will you not do it? And, you know, so far his, uh, his fatal flaw of pride Probably what baffles that me is the it. similarities between the Crowden and the White Hollows. Mm. <laughs> it baffles me, right? And and we can get to that later. But like that that part alone is is just that point, DJ, of like 
Yeah, but like, did, did anybody have to tell them they didn't have to shoulder it alone? It's the same thing with the White Howlers. Like, if you all come with me, we can handle it now. Okay, the Croatan don't do no different, really. But you shoulder it <laughs> onto yourself and say you can handle it. Well, why is that done twice? Why is it done twice? Right? It wasn't wasn't like the tribe. It was the fatal flaw of the two different tribes to the same end. So when does your mother open your mouth? If guy's the Earth Mother and in the White Howlers, your older brother done went done did what he done do and was dumb as fuck and he done did it. <laughs> then why is it that you're now doing it and she don't go, hey, look, just 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 don't. <laughs> you get in trouble as your strength is together. I can't say it anymore. You in a wolf pack. OK, wolves come in packs. Say it with me. And like, wolves <laughs> come in packs. Howl it with me. Oh, right. Because you sound like shit on your own. But a choir sounds better when everybody has their part, right? That's that alto yeah. tenor soprano where we got sections. Learn how to sing together and learn to get it right. Okay, mom. Okay, mom. No, okay, look. I'm not trying to be cryptic. What I'm saying is I'm a god. <laughs> I exist in the future and I exist in the past and I exist right now in this moment in front of your stupid ass. I know what you're going to do. And the answer is don't. <laughs> All right, I won't. Okay, don't. None of us will. Mm, okay. And she leaves. <laughs> Now, if the Croton up and do it again, what what is that telling us? Like, I feel we're missing something. If it happened to the White Howlers and it happened to the Croton, you know, I know when everyone's screaming, Bob, their authors are writing a story. They're telling it. Don't jump on that bullshit with me. I'm having fun with the writing. Treat it like you a guru, like you hearing this story around the campfire with us. And you get to that part. How how does that choke down? I like discussing this. Because this is where you can find an almost philosophical point to it. If you know your own fate, would you still step into the responsibility of it? And to me, that's what she denied the Croatan of having. She motherly shielded him from it, but that's a paternal, patriarchal viewpoint. Is that shit would happen? Don't tell him his fate. He might change it. Bullshit. What mother alive doesn't tell her baby what danger's coming? Doesn't prep them for it? What mother alive isn't there to help them when that time of need comes around? Right? That's a bullshit take on it is what it is. And it's to say what? I don't know. But I do know this. It sets them up for failure because you might be greater than the challenge before you. And then you're going to sit home and wait for him to die and say boo-hoo. Now you got two kids that are dead and a worm chewing on them. And that's your fault, lady. Just fell sideways is all I'm saying. I was a, it's, it's an interesting thing. The authors didn't do bad, and that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, it's, man, Gaia, <laughs> but, but maybe get a little better than cryptic. Just <laughs> help a brother out. Yeah, I mean, a signal would have been fine, but there's got to be something different there, right? Because the Croatian didn't, didn't give us uh, BSDs. Uh-huh. Hold that thought. So, well, the, my thing is, like, as I'm thinking about it, maybe... Everything is allegorical, even the story itself, right? Why does it happen to the Croatian? It also happens to the White Howlers, and then later on, <clears throat> get a, you know, Colts, Benris, whatever. No, no, don't but, ever bring them up. Not in this podcast. <laughs> don't ever bring them up. This is the pure well, lands, DJ. You would need pure, we'll stay, to bring them up. We will stay pure. Um, but across these two, right? To say at least for werewolves, they're biting off more than they could chew. And I think that would probably be a good way of like looking at that, like that fable tale of like, where's your pride? Your pride is like you think you can do more than you really should be able to do. Hmm. Let's talk about a different point. Mm-hmm. Did you see the author's note in this book? Yes. Author's note? Yeah, there's special thanks. 
it's okay. That long enough, yeah. long enough. Eh, I got you. Yeah, so I did. They give us they give a special thanks here to Beth Bostick for her assistance in locating the history of the five civilized tribes and ideas for storytelling. Five civilized tribes, meaning the history of the Native Americans. I'm assuming they chose for the book. They it's a vague sort of tribes could have been anybody, but you assume that's what it is. And the aspect of it, do you feel that that's accurate in this book, though? Do you notice that there was like a, a a good sort of researched feel for them to take and pull with taste from different tribes yes. to pull it into the book? Right. Uh, I think on top of the the author's dope, there's also like a word about terminology. And I think the best part about it is it specifically tells you how they're treating the Native American nations, indigenous nations versus what they will consider tribes. They'll consider tribes as it's considered to werewolf tribes, and they will consider the indigenous nations as they are, um, as a separate. Which is like, you know, when you read something like that, and Easter's reverence to it, and I think th- this is like one of the better four words you would ever read in a book because it tells you exactly what they're walking into, what's the expectation with reverence, but at the same token what, what the delineation between what is what they're paying respects to, but then what we're walking into fiction and where it'll be fiction moving forward from there. Yeah. Like, so are you shocked? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Real real quick though. So, so are you shocked that are you that shark? Are you shocked then DJ that this book is one of the ones cited as a appropriation of culture? I am a hundred percent. I am. I mean, we've read through, (laughs) we've read through kindred of the East. (laughs) I mean, I can see where, like where some things might be sideways there to some people, but this is like, it's laid out right in front of you, right? It's, it's laid out right in front of you. What it is that you're walking into without like any, like without any like type of boasting, it, it just, it just presents you the tale that it's going to be told as a tale. And it also lets you know where it's drawing information from, right? Inspired by true stories. Oh my God. I mean, it is the true story. So you feel if they tell you in advance of what's going to be in the book, it's still okay if you go into the book and you feel offended. Because you were warned. You were told this may be offensive to you, so you read it so they don't offend you, so now you can't do nothing about it because you were warned about it. No, I wouldn't say that because that's like too broad. I, I would like to think, though, as it pertains to this book, I think it was given all to a plum to present the information in a, in a way that it should not be offensive as much as it is for entertainment purposes i think you should stand by stand by if you feel that way dj i really do no you you know why because you're you're drawing me back into that book i don't want to talk about and then they put a forward in that book too and that fucked me up and that wasn't good no 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 see that would be called trauma from the past that you can't let go (laughs) okay so the situation comes up so the situation comes up where similar feelings from what happened to you in the past do we're not dealing with the past though a sign of your health would be to push through this and to be be able to say with distinction so I'm going to ask you again, for all the detail, love, and respect that you gave that they have in there, do you feel that that is easily the ointment and the shield, is knowledge and understanding that this is not fact that you're yes. reading in this book, that they pulled from it, that you should not take this to heart? Yes. I will 100% stand by that. Okay. Mike, I'm assuming automatically, but let me put words in your mouth. You wanted to say something. Yeah, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly with, with most of that. I am... I didn't just feel like it was good. I didn't just feel like the warning was given appropriately. Um, I didn't just feel like the fiction was handled respectfully. Um, there are elements of the history of native folks in America that I know to be true now after like, you know, 20 years of kicking it after high school. 
um, that I was not taught that I, that I know happened in this country, but that they didn't tell us about right in, in history mm. class. So like, not only did they handle it tastefully, there are elements of education as they walk through the history of the continent that you can um, kind of pick up if you read between the lines of the narrative. And I felt that that made it that much better, that much more captivating to, to read. Hmm. All right. Um, just as a side note, Beth Bostick also did Ravenloft books. Did you guys know that? Negative. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was curious about it, right? I heard the name, wanted to pick it up. Because this is like one of the one of the books I noticed that didn't have a cultural sensitivity um, title. Weird, right? <laughs> for the for, right to that person, I was like, "Oh, it's really good." Like, imagine that they're allowed to cut loose. Um, I say that a lot, but I, it's because I mean it. So, anyway, it's not it's not to point that out, but uh, it's 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 pretty cool to see that that they give a forward to it and they put in put in a lot of effort into what goes on, especially in the era this book was written in, which was virtually nobody had access to the internet or gave a shit that where it came from just somebody told you about it oh look cool um like I, I could tell you for a fact that when i played werewolf no one ever brought up this this stole from my people i never <laughs> heard that because your people would have to be supernatural werewolves <laughs> right that's that's why it always baffled me when i started hearing that term starting to be sort of synonymous with with why what was wrong weird in, in, in a lot of ways, like, you know, it's wrong. It's incorrect. I'll say it. I feel it's incorrect to do so. Um, don't don't besmirch uh, the history of a people based on fiction. It just doesn't make any sense. It makes an ass out of you and the people that, you know, what I mean, it's why do that? Um, do we treat it with respect and I'll come to you. Um, that said, as I stumble through. It's my true feelings. I'll keep a lid on. It's a whole other podcast. But uh, <laughs> this book is about the pure lands, as I said, and in a time of the pure lands, but how these pure tribes got there and the events they came upon and challenges overcame or succumbed to is pretty emotional. The, the reading here is told sort of nonchalant when you go through it, they, you know, and like in chapter one, they talk about the long walk itself. We talked a lot about the renowned introduction story, sort of touching on some events. This book touches on as well. And we're late in the pod here, but we're going to touch a little bit about what's in this book. Cause I really want people to go through and enjoy it as well. But the long walk, Chapter one, it talks about the pure lands a lot, but they talk about old country. So this would be the lands that they were from originally. Now, what do you feel they were referring to? Like, what do you, how do you see the world where they say they came from before they actually got to the pure lands? I remember wondering, and it, it wasn't real clear to me from the narrative. Like at first, I was kind of assuming it was some other continental arrangement of Earth. But it's like, well, no, if it helps no. you, think of a quote. I got a quote for you to jog your memory a little bit. Hmm. It says, The old country, the place where all Guru once lived, where they had first taken the shape of humans and wolves together. Yeah, maybe it's somewhere spiritual. Maybe it's some place where the umber is weak. Or something. Uh, I'm I'm still not I'm still not clear. I'm I'm not sure where they where they started. I know they came I don't across. Feel it's, go ahead. I don't feel it's a correct answer. I'm not asking for the geographical place, Mike. I'm saying that when they describe it, how did how did it hit you? Because the difference here with that question is, if you'd ask this about other tribes, it's almost like they had a definitive answer of where where it all began. Even if you remember the Pharaoh books, when we get to like the Bastet or 
uh, talked about the Corax or the Nuisha. They were like, yeah, we know where it is. Mm. It all started here. Done. Move on. Wolves came from here. We came from there, too. Big deal. We moved. No one ever talks about it. But here, it's spoken of as in the old country. We are all there. This is where Gaia's loins were most fertile, and she just, all the children, right? They even use terminology like that, where they're just describing this great mother, just cranking them out. And we're all getting along and everybody's here. But there, everybody was considered one wolf tribe. Remember that distinction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, compared to the description of the other tribes, this place seemed ideal, but very competitive. Guy seems rather manipulative here, though. What do you think on that? Um, As far as, like, how they got asked to cross? I got several, several (laughs) samples. I'm glad you opened that door. Number one. (laughs) Gaia is a weeping woman in a dream, damsel in distress. she It's the masculine hero that finds her and asks direct questions to soothe her sorrows and grant peace to to, to his world, excuse me. And I do mean that, because for him, this was a bad dream, was hearing a weeping woman. And I was like, Utena? I was like, huh. (laughs) It's a very, very patriarchal fucking way to look at it, right? And then you have all three brothers have this same dream, and I'm like, they all did? (laughs) <laughs> right remember Utena wakes up he's like hey did you and middle brother's like yeah did you and, and when it goes like yeah it was annoying and it's like yeah did you talk to her oh no we didn't we just thought it was a dream and Utena's like yeah I talked to her don't worry I'll go tell her oh well if it's Gaia yeah we'll help her out oh you'll help her out <laughs> you'll now help her out right all, they all have the dream they all say that but then older brother's like don't worry I'll go tell her they all have the dream again and except Utena this there soon now all three. Utena has the dream again and goes in, and now a foe is stalking him. They, they even describe it as just a terrible lizard thing. Right. <laughs> That's its description, but if you look at the artwork they give for the lizard thing, it's a terrible dragon. It's a literal dragon that was creeping up behind him. The Utena's like, ah, what the hell is this? Ah, gotcha, bitch. You sneaking up on me? Bad dragon. And kind of slaps it around, pushes it to the side, <laughs> and gets over to Guy, and, and Guy's like, oh my god. Did that did that dragon bite you on the arm? He's like, yeah, it gave me some venom. Hey, lady, what's your what's your issue? We'll take care of it. <laughs> That's how Lieutenant reports. Will you stop crying and bothering our sleep? Of course we'll help you. But mom, you should have just came by after dinner. <laughs> Told us what was wrong. You don't have to do this woman stuff. Gee, of course the big strong guys will go handle it. And I sat there, it was like, this is fucking Gaia. <laughs> She's a god. Who the and then, and then Gaia goes well well don't worry you're good sons because nobody else paid attention to me <laughs> nobody else heeded the call of her poor mother out here suffering crying all alone and all the other <laughs> tribes ignored me you're the only ones to come over and say yeah I'll go off on your death quest <laughs> what <laughs> yeah cue the heavy music folks the heavy metal music <laughs> my name is Gaia. <laughs> Evil and damnation, follow my steps. <laughs> Go kill the worm, handle the rest. <laughs> right? That's what it's like. Because she's like, oh, this terrible shit's going on. Oh, what do you mean? Oh, this far off land, I can't do shit about it. It's really the pure lands as well. You know, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's amazing. I want you to have it. But in order for you to have it, you have to slay the evil beasts that are there. <laughs> oh, that's hard. That's hard. I need to remind you the beginning of this tale. All three brothers were whooping each other's asses to prove which one was better. 
Right. <laughs> and he came to blows. Now they're going to, what, blink because they got to go whoop some more ass to take over a land somewhere else and purify it. Because wherever they go, when they whoop your ass, you're humbled and you're now pure. You thought she was the shit. They corrected that shit. And now you have to walk behind them and clean up after their shit. Right. That's just how that goes. And so when you when you see that all come together, I sat there and went. It's literally men going off to answer the call of war like like boys, like like what you tell boys when you grow. Hey, you be a soldier someday. You can grow up and save the world. Right. Because that's war is not black and or war is not gray, folks. It's black and white. Right. <laughs> Well, so rare, we have a solid enemy and you go deal with that enemy who is always evil because they're your enemy right and then it's done yeah okay me too well. I felt that, that's the part of the story i was like oh but then i had to remember the narrative the story's being told by a storyteller around a campfire telling it to the next generation of werewolves who all belong to the pure tribes hmm. it's so like is- signing up to the cobra kite dojo this is propaganda. It it is. It's like standing <laughs> yeah. up to the Kobe. You don't want to hear about anybody but Mr. Miyagi when you go to the Karate Kid Dojo. Right. Because he's right. the one that teaches Daniel LaRusso all the cool stuff, but Mr. Miyagi lacks that badass shit that the Cobra guy know. No mercy in this dojo. Exactly. No mercy sweep the leg. LaRusso gets his ass kicked, except for Miyagi's weird mystical kick. If it wasn't for that, man, Cobra Kai all the way. That's just how it goes. And so they combine all the elements in this story for you to hear what it's like to be, you know, the karate god, Cobra dude, whatever it is. And let's go and have it. But but here's also this point where a lot of people go, well, this this is this is the reason then it must have been there was so much anger. Did research. No one's talking about that. Everybody liked the story where they were armed for bear to go take over the pure lands by hook or by crook. And I was like, I don't have a problem with the story. But I sat there and went, I felt awkward reading it. I felt awkward. Go ahead. Well, it just, it made me wonder, how did the Pure Lands get to be pure if, you know, it can't be, it couldn't have been mankind because mankind comes over to Land Bridge with the Utena. And what is it that corrupts the corrupted the land <laughs> if there was oh. nobody's deeds and desires over there? you know, to, to bring corruption. Go, go ahead, DJ. Uh, just because it, just because you can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist, right? And sadly, uh, I'll even spend it from this shows my age. Reading this part of the story made me think of a land before time. And I'm thinking to myself, the Great Valley. How the hell did Littlefoot's mom know what the Great Valley looked like, except to know that there's Great Valley over there and there's like trees and, and all the other dinosaurs could survive if they went over there in the first place, right? <laughs> How would you know? But that's the point of the parable of the story is to say it's out there. You gotta go but, find but it. The, well, that's a good insight, DJ. And think about that, that it was Gaia's way to get them to go. Yeah. To get them to leave the land. But that just adds to my point. Did you notice how manipulative Gaia got? I ain't why, saying no. Right? Why is she a Korean <laughs> woman in a dream and she could have walked up and gave him an order? Why is it a thing that we're worried about this when someone could have came up and say, hey, we need your help out here? And why is it that they're the only three tribes that went out there if they were all there in the first place? I think this is where the test actually comes in because you could only imagine how many tribes like it went horrible, wrong, right? What if one of them was like, oh, Shadow Lord, she's crying. Well, I guess that just means she's... And then how many times has Guy got ripped apart in that version of the story versus like, oh, these three actually saved me and do something with it. All right, you three. I guess you, you passed the first level of the test. Let's go ahead and bring you on over. <laughs> I, I personally think that it's a, it's a, it's a good tale of a uh, expected trope. 
right? There's a there's a delivery of a character. Here, I think the role play of the narrator of the story comes through. Hmm. That's what I think it is. And that's what I'm hammering hmm. home, is that I that, that was my attempt to be a, a woke knight, as <laughs> I call it, where I'm like, don't you take offense? Don't you see this? Don't you see their point? Because I saw their point. I just didn't agree with their point. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Here's why. Do they not, not, not just the forward is evidence that there was no offense intended or given. It was the fact that, do you remember the chanting? Well, actually, you remember Disney, right, Mike? Yeah, vaguely. Remember you? Remember that song you played for me? I didn't know it existed. That they had the the Native oh, Americans in it. Oh no! Not what made the red man red. Oh god! Right, where they're, where they're like, what makes the red man red? Right. It's it's yeah, a cute man. little video, except for the fact as you sit there and hear it, like, is this what you really? What makes the red man red? Like, yeah. who wrote this? It seemed like, incredibly why? disrespectful. <laughs> right? And you're sitting there listening to it like, you know, they literally, like, the, like I believe the lyrics is nanny nanny boo boom. Like, they, they were just talking gibberish. You weren't even attempting, right? And then I got to this chanting that he does at the beginning of the chapter to begin to read, or begin to say it. Now, it made me uncomfortable to read it. I don't know how it made you feel, but this is some of my evidence, remember, to argue that this is how I know they were in narrative form for a role-playing form for the narrator is because there's a quote taken out of the book of how he begins the chant of the story of recalling. Hey, uh, hey, uh, hey, uh, hey, ancestors speak through me of tunes long gone, of times long gone, of people who once lived, of deeds mighty and gone. Hey, uh, and it stopped. As if to let you know you got a taste of it, you know what it is, and it rolls into actually writing what is the narrative and what's going on here, as, as he would tell it. And so that's what we have to remember. It's in the voice of him. It's in a role-playing format. So, of course, this tale, when he gets the guy, would be from some old Native American guy who's really a werewolf. And i got to add that. I've met maybe a Native American guy who wasn't even old, and really, he's, he was a normal dude. You know what I mean? He was, he was cool. It was like no big deal. And uh, he was very much into his spirituality and stuff like that. But you know what he said to me about it? Nothing, because it was none of my business. <laughs> Personal. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's That's it. You know, like if he like he he was cool because he had feathers adorned in his hair on certain days and would just go to college class. And he'd have all sorts of people try to ask him about it. He gave him the same answer that I'm giving you now. So um, then we look at this, uh, this quote. And if you didn't pick that up, folks, that was me doing exactly what he would do. He just would talk past you. Moving, moving along. <laughs> Act like you didn't even ask him anything. And he did it enough to where folks, they picked up on it. That was that. It's his business. It's not yours. So, um, but he was sensitive to it. Or a lot of folks are. They have a right to be. But what if they're open to it? I've seen those folks too. And that's, that's a different journey. But this book's deliberately trying to give you the flavor of a narrator that is part of a tribe. Werewolf tribe, that is. That is trying to pass on knowledge and the style and format of the culture that they also borrowed from as werewolves. I want to make sure we get that across before this pot ends. I know we're near the end of it. Um, there is a fact here that I think a lot of people miss. There's a lot of stuff that we didn't get to point wise. And, uh, you know, legendary stargazer, they did go with them to the pure lands that they, they ultra tested crescent vision. Great story of him in here and his role as to how they found the pure lands and whatnot. And, and two questions actually we'll, we'll get to, but, uh, the one point I want to put, want to kind of drive home that DJ started was they talked about the fact that there's there's a different there's a difference in tribe of people and tribe of werewolves. Mm-hmm. Now, a werewolf tribe is a werewolves solely. 
Kinfolk is literally distant blood relations honored with fertility rights. Basically, they're purely breeding stock. Mates, if you prefer, but they really don't know the full length and breadth of what a werewolf tribe is. But a werewolf tribe is just a social division in a traditional society consisting of families or communities um, of like-minded social, uh, economical, religious, or blood ties. Right? They're a common culture amongst themselves. And that's how it goes. Because you could say a tribe of anything that meets those qualifications because it's the definition of a tribe. Therefore, the human tribes they refer to in this book are Native Americans because the pure lands are what they refer to as the Americas. <laughs> However, they make a point of saying that they came to the pure lands and encountered these pure tribes. That's how it worked. They already knew how to live off the land. They were already doing stuff here. They taught the guru a thing or two about what they were doing and how they were living there. And the beauty of it is that they felt that they were married to the land, so they just melded right in with them. It was natural to go with them and what they did, and they learned a lot from them, and or from each other, I should say. But they borrowed from these people what they could, breeding stock, what have you, spiritual rights, you know, transition and trade, however that went. Over centuries, this is where they get the distinction they have. That's why the Wendigo are called the Wendigo tribe, Utena tribe is called the Utena tribe and whatnot. They even break it down in the story. Before they knew what they were called, they just given these names because these spirits were honored by these people here. And they know of them, but this is werewolf, a fake game. We gave them powers and a totem. So we definitely know what those are. And this is our version or however it is. So it's interesting to me that I feel that there's an ignorance of folk culture to attack things like werewolf and, and jump and call it racist and insensitive before they even really understand the usage of the word tribe and that it has many contexts. And that context can change over the dynamic of discussions. So it's one of those things that you have to look before you leap. You, know, you can't just jump in and assume it's bad. You got to dig in and find out where it's bad and then stand by that argument if that's what you, you believe, but be open-minded to the discussion of the point. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd have been more offended if the, if the tie to a real thing felt more disrespect like if you're talking about black folk and you go to chicken and watermelon that's a, a, a that's a pretty just standard trope right but i didn't hear them saying the mortal tribes believed this and that is why werewolves i heard them saying mortals did these did these things werewolves around the same period of time did these things one does not require the other they just happened in the same space. And that, that's not offensive to me. It's, it's not. TJ, were you going to say something? It looked like you were. Uh, no, I just when you were talking about that offensive, so I just remember the back of the Bonar book, and it had that dude with watermelon, and I was like, Jesus, here we go. I was like, not that. It was right, definitely right. not that. They, they, nothing like that here. <laughs> They've done nothing, so much nothing worse. like that here. <laughs> right. This it, is, is, it is done in such a way. Um, <laughs> what I... What I think also highlights it, if anything at all, is it's it's a work of fiction we know, but I think one of the things that gets overlooked, and I think why this book is as powerful as it is, is because this is probably the best book to speak about things that we were speaking about before, one of them being renown, the other one being animism, right? What is the connection to the world? Why did How does it integrate? And in this book specifically, how things that already exist in life draw inspiration to create something better. So for example, if the pure tribes didn't exist in the fashion that they do, 
I wouldn't be able to enjoy Werewolf in the fashion that I do now because every other tribe brings nothing special to the table when it comes to, at, at the very least, why I would do it. But now that you cast a light onto the shadow, you could see why you should pay respects prior to, to going through. When you take a look at your, your fetishes in the back of your talons, that's something that, that, that has a spiritual meaning behind it. It isn't just a mechanical role. There should be something that the person who's playing the game should kind of espouse. But it also casts more shadow as to like, this is why this particular group of werewolves did X versus our European werewolves did Y and why there's a huge gulf in terms of approach um, between each other. It's it's interesting you think that because uh, not not too that you mentioned European tribes. The only, the only reason I, I said that I don't know why I started that way, but what I'm pointing pointing out is is we always thought that coming to the Pure Lands, they were invaded, right? They were invaded later on by the the Worm tribes that came. It's interesting to get this perspective. Did you feel that they felt they were invaded the first time, and then they put their their foot in that ass? <laughs> What are you referring to, Mike? <laughs> so there's two different points, right? So there's a point in the in the narrative given by our storyteller where he says, you know, uh, the 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 worm comers showed up and they got their ass whooped and then they went home. <laughs> but then there's which, a, which point? Which point was this? Because that's just you repeating what you said. I'm literally looking. <sighs> I can't I can't remember precisely where it was. I want to say it was when they were first describing the. Um, the the mortal tribes of the northeast and how specifically Wendigo responded, he went and got ah, the homies. That's, that's uh, not even what you're. That's not even right. Okay, See, that's my point. When people when people read this material, we it's not that you have to just be accurate. You have to digest the part of the story when events took place. So there's two parts where they mention fighting other werewolves. The first yeah. time was when the Impergium came about. If you recall, the Impergium came about before everybody left Old Country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, what yeah, they yeah, say yeah, in this yeah, book. Yeah, yeah. And when that happened, when they went to touch the Native American skin, the Native American, I just ruined that whole thing. When they went to touch the Pure Tribe's kin, Wendigoog, Tenacroatan, the three brothers united, they whooped the snot out of everybody who went to go call their kin. Uh, uh, I wish I had a citation. I thought that there was a time after the, the crossing but before like the full blown European migration, there wasn't a time there, in between there there? there. there is time when they talk about that whole journey coming through, they face many trials and challenges. Younger brother defaults to be last coming across the moon bridge. They were uh-huh. on the moon bridge the whole time for years. The entire time on that bridge, the worm is chasing after them, trying to kill them. Worm mm-hmm. minions okay. are coming from all over the place, trying to kill them. But the reason being is different than you might think. You would think, oh, it's because, you know, blah, blah, blah. The the worm is just the worm. This is what they do. The moon bridge is drawing attention. It's pre- outlined pretty specific. Gaia sent them on a big quest. And they're actually the first purity, I guess you could call it that, or best cleansing werewolves that were sent out to purpose. In other words, the first tribes set out to really do something. And they came out of old country. And so all they had on all sides were the worm creatures who realized that they are there. And then it's time to do something. The worm has just basically put them through the gauntlet. Mm-hmm. Literally, it's the best phrase I could use for it. And as they're mm-hmm. fighting, and Wendigo says, I got you. More importantly, and this leads to the question I have, because it's the same, it's gets to the same part. Did you notice that when they first leave to come from old country here, the journey, they described that Uktena, 
Croatin and Sasquatch went with them. Yeah. What yeah, happened yeah, yeah, yeah. to Sasquatch? He, I know he got his heart broken by something. Um, I think he had a lover. Might have been a lover or a super close friend who dies in that period of struggle. Uh, I'm not. I'm foggy. I'm not clear. I was about to say that's as much as I remember. I know that something happened during that thing, and Sasquatch was Sasquatch no more, and coldness took over his heart. Well, I'll tell you this right here: it's not Sasquatch. Sasquatch doesn't become Wendigo. That's some old bullshit someone drew a correlation to. That I'll just leave it where it is. It's a <laughs> cute story. I'm happy to read it if you're going to show me the story where Sasquatch had a lover and then he decided to leave Wendigo or leave his tribe because that's that because that's a sad ass totem. <laughs> Every other totem rose to the occasion, honored their pet, came through with their strength, and did what they did. But what happened? They they held out, but you couldn't. What, what's the real story? If you follow this story along, go ahead, Mike. Well, I was just going to say there was something also about in, in their travel how. Um, Little Brother's tribe suffered the most. I can't remember what from, mm-hmm. but they took a, a real, real Be- hard because hit. Because they, they suffer from the fact that it was endless. Mm. They didn't take a few hits. It wasn't a few skirmishes. It never ended. Mm. From country home over years, taking this journey to get to where they're at, it's been ceaseless combat for Little Brother. For Younger Brother. we Nobody call him Little, but Younger Brother. <laughs> right he just been brawling tooth and claw and haven't added him and his people so attrition is very real for them but did they quit nope, nope. Not, not an ounce of quit in them and this is this is the thing though the, the answer is assumed that Sasquatch was a casualty in sealing the moon bridge taken from the old country to the pure lands I'll repeat that someone had to make the sacrifice on that bridge great and because Remember them sending out people. It, this relates. We can't go into the whole story. This relates to the stargazer. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Why is this fighting happening? It's not going to end. Blah, blah, blah. What's going on? And they send people out in the sojourn to discover what is going on with this. Like, what is what is happening to this connection and what can we do about it? And when they come back, it's after so long that they they go to help them. They could hear these guru trying to return. Right. With the people they found. And Crescent Vision finds the spark. Luna shows him a little bit, a little bit of light. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. But uh-huh. it's important yeah. about that because Crescent Vision sees a mirror. Mm-hmm. You recall that? Sees the reflection right. that was put up to fool everybody so they couldn't see where the battle was actually happening. And he dives into the mirror. And the bane that he dove into shoves all the shards of glass through his body to kill a powerful werewolf. Mm-hmm. But that sacrifice, I feel, also teaches a lesson. From what he did, he knew it was going to happen because the whole reason he went on this journey was because if I'm correct, it was, no, it was, Chim- it was, a uh, was a Chimera Luna. Chimera. Chimera. Yeah, Chimera told him. Chimera warned him that this would cost your life. And, and Crescent Vision said, and so now I must go. <laughs> now I got to do it. So this is the go. difference. Remember back, one of you had said, I forget which one back in the beginning of this, why would Croatin, why wasn't he told directly by Gaia? It's mm. because Croatin did not have the strength to face the truth. Had he have heard it, that's my opinion. Whereas Crescent Vision did. When Crescent Vision was told he would die by his totem, he took that as absolutely. It's what I must do. And he came out here to do it. And he did. And he picked his spot. To me, 
this shit was Saturday morning cartoon awesome the way they wrote it because <laughs> they're they're all getting their ass whooped they're on the moon bridge the worm's like you're dead I got you in the trap finally we're coming over to the pure land true we're gonna corrupt everything and Crescent Vision's like you would except that's a mirror I don't have a hammer and jumps into it <laughs> and it shatters and goes to his butt everybody was like oh my and he goes don't forget the fight and points over there and everybody loses it they just run over there to just whoop some serious ass and when they bring it back the, there's a crow spirit, right, that's falling along, a storm crow specifically, and it's like, listen, honor his last words. He asked you to close the bridge. Yep. To lose access to pure, to, to home to do that. When that happened, I think there's more to that story than just that. For them to do that, Sasquatch is not from the lands they were going to. He's from a different area entirely, filled with lush trees and beautiful landscape and the whole nine. <coughs> Excuse me. It's not to say that the new, the pure lands weren't like that. But old country seems to be a place that was like mythical, doesn't it? Yeah. Seems to be a place where certain things don't don't hold up like that. And it's not to say that Uke 10 is not mythical. It's not to say that Croatan's not mythical, because they very much are. But they're mythical in a lot of a lot of different other ways, right? They feel more to them than what Sasquatch was. Sasquatch seems more like a uh, a cryptic, a cryptid, excuse me, <laughs> than anything. It just doesn't hold enough weight. But I think they did this to showcase that what all did little brother lose to be what he is. Mm. And and what what did he become? Little brother goes on a change because he goes from being this glorious younger brother trying to prove himself to everybody else. I can do it, too. I got the muscles. Watch me, guys. Watch me to taking the mature responsibility of sacrifice and going to the rear to face that badassery, to go through that grueling gauntlet, to face down the, the worst enemy they've ever seen. Up until this point, the guy has ever known up to this point, not only do that, it cost him a friend. And when he gets to the pure lands after they close the bridge and he has nobody, he hears this howl from a savage entity that's taken on everybody. Let me tell you about Wendigo, folks. This spirit didn't give two shits whether you were pure or you were corrupt. It didn't care nothing about you. You came to his frozen land. His breath keeps everything in eternal ice. He is nothing but hatred for you. Who would change what is his and is pure, and he has no room for you. And he wouldn't listen to Utena's bullshit. <laughs> Utena came in and said, Wobbly woo, I know secrets. And when the, and he's like, I'll freeze you too. I'll eat you too. You just hold still. And he's like, I got time for that. Utena stepped to the side. And Croatin's <laughs> like, I'll stoically stand here. And he goes, And you'll freeze too. <laughs> That's just how it goes. He's like, what do you think standing still will do for you? Freeze you up. Done. But when Wendigo got there, Wendigo was like, I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> try to freeze me and when it goes like i'm up here in the sky when it goes but what if i could fly and and that's just how it went with those two they were like two peas in the pie we're gonna roll out and when go in the end was like i got respect for this guy mm. he gets it you don't end it doesn't matter how angry you are you can't end you're frustrated too bad you can't end and then you remember or at least for me you read the when go try book all of those things echo what their totem is and right. what they did, and when it describes kind of how this is, that no matter what hardship, we're still here. We're still banging the drum. We're still here to kill people. I mean, banging the drum as in they're in the band. It mm-hmm. seemed like a tasteless racist comment. I just meant that as we're still here playing. And that's <laughs> just how it goes. That's the, that's the cool aspect, I think, of this story. This book has a timeless ability to pull together the tribes. I don't care what version you read. They pull and hold them together. And that's why I think this book is super important today for werewolf fans, period. Now, to that point, 
um, I was trying to, I was thinking about it yesterday. Is there another book that sets any other cluster of tribes in context of one another in this way? Because, uh, so I, I got this impression from, from Croydon's song that it was like, well, obviously it's the story of three brothers. It's not the story of this tribe and then the story of that tribe and then the story of another tribe. And I started trying to recall, do we get another example of like two or three tribes that, you know, are cohabitating or have such a tightly bound narrative? No, and I think that's on purpose. Okay. I think the point is, is that there's there was an argument made for W5 as to why they changed in this capacity. And that is because you didn't have three distinctive tribes. Hmm. Are Uktena, Wendigo, and Croatan truly distinctive? Other than one being older, middle, and younger brother. Are they distinctive? What do you think, DJ? No. Uh, they aren't, because they're just brothers with different types of approaches. That could be anything, right? They're, they all believe the same thing anyway. You could put them as camps inside of each other. You could say they're the right. they're the overarching Wendigo tribe, or they're the Utena tribe, and then here are the Wendigo camp and, and the Croatan camp. You could do that. Not distinctive enough to be a whole entirely different tribe in and unto themselves. So I think they gave them the pure lands to do just that, to state that there is something unique about these three, that, yeah, they're brothers and distinctive and different even from each other, and you would know that if you're amongst them, and it's true. We know the Croatan vastly different from their approach to the Nuketana, vastly different from, you know, um, Croatan, but the, uh, or Wendigo. But the point is, is that no matter how you want to look at that, compare any of them to the, the difference in Fianna is immense. The difference in Silverfinger's Fianna. From Silverfinger to Fianna, there's a gulf of difference, right? Different heritage, mm-hmm. different part of the world. It's a different culture. But when you take from the same culture three distinctive tribes to throw them in, what was your point? And what was your purpose? But it, it's bigger than that. They were telling a tale for werewolf that the Pure Lands is to represent the best that the werewolves had. The best that the world had in a lot of ways, saying that here you have humans and werewolves existing in a utopia, and then the worm came. But that's because we know historically, is that not accurate? When technology, I mean, techno- the, the true story of Native Americans is the fact that they learned how fertile the Americas was before the Native Americans could catch up technology-wise. Think about this for a second. It's not that the Native Americans didn't have a confederacy, they didn't have nations, it's that they had a peace amongst them. They had violence going back and forth like any other nation, but the fact that I think it is that they never felt the need to have to advance. There was no driving force that said they had to come up with tool after tool after tool to industrialization to do whatever, because by culture, they had a respect for the land, the land took care of them. But they were slowly progressing because they had this peace mixed with war. See what I'm saying? There was a certain directness they had that they didn't have the greed like other nations seem to have. Did not mean that they didn't have greedy tribes. Did not mean they didn't have ultra violent tribes. Know your history in those Native Americans, you could read they absolutely had that stuff. But they also had tribes that banded together to get rid of the worst of them and stuff like that. And they were working on it and they were figuring it out. And then you're hit with something like, well, we know history. And when that starts happening, it happened all over because you had other nations that figured out what the the power of slavery of another people, gunpowder, ships coming in, uh, diseases from all the world, trade, world commerce. We would go on. But that's (laughs) but that all but all that stuff, though, folks, that's what they refer to 
as as worm corruption. It's not just the werewolf tribes that come with them who are also worldly and coming over with their own powers and new enemies and foes. Because the simple fact is, is that the the natives definitely seem, let me rephrase this, the Pure Lands werewolves seem to be open to receiving help when they needed it. Because what's the truth they're telling you? When they got here and began splitting up in the Pure Lands, it was not easy. They had, Wendigo had to beat ass and guard the gate for those who came across. And it cost him much of his tribe to do it and needed a new totem even. And he gets that and he has that and these new people are there and they're learning to settle and they're working it out. Croatin, sure, he had to do what he did, but what did Croatin have to learn? That Gaia gave him a blessing that through his honor, he had a bond with Turtle that allowed him to heal the land. He could cure corruption with his very self. Hold that thought, though. Uctena, what's Uctena healing? <laughs> Nothing. Uctena found for all my cunning tricks, all I could do was find weaknesses, which enabled me to defeat my foes but not be rid of them. And I could trick them and I could bind them and I could put them into places, but that's perfect. Croatin can come by. Cleanse them and they're gone. But what happens when you don't have croatin? And you ain't cleansing shit if Wendigo can't keep them from tearing you apart. Mm-hmm. So what you get is you have three tribes that desperately need each other, but for some reason, croatin, poof, out of the story. Now, this is where I would put on my Pepe Sylvia hat, as I call it. Right? My tinfoil hat. <laughs> I chuckled and I said, there's a, there's a tie between the Croatin. Why doesn't guy see that? Or why did nobody see that or point that out? And there's a tie between the White Hollers. Now, other than a goofy totem, and I'm going to say that that's a link unto itself. White Hollers had lion. Why? Your werewolves, <laughs> why did they have lion? But why not? It's a cat. So they're Scottish. It works. Uh, sure. Whatever. We'll push that to the side. Why am I pushing it to the side? They could go in the ground. They like burrowing in holes and bonding to the earth and strength of the earth and earth and earth. Wait a minute, the Croatin. They like going in the ground and being swallowed by it and turtle protects and earth and earth and earth. What's turtle to a werewolf? What a weird thing. Well, <laughs> turtle to Native Americans can be powerfully medicinal, et cetera, et cetera. I won't talk more than what a trope or something I might have read vaguely had, had taught me. But I do know I've seen a turtle rattle used a lot in shaman kits more than anything else. So maybe I'm right. And that that's a that's a respectful thing and a spirit, if nothing else. So they use turtle on a wider scale. OK, he heals things. I'm with you. So I'm with you so far. But they go in the ground. They they that's what they do. They swallow things. They do things. All right. Um, what's Croton's deal? Well, he sees things in gray, doesn't he? Wolves by nature are black and white. If it's the worm, kill it. If the ground's corrupt, cleanse it. Black and white. What does Croatin do throughout Croatin's song? And find the, the middle way and the hard way. Yep. Let's, <laughs> let's look at this. Older brother wants to fight younger brother to prove who's the most baddest because younger brother stepped out of line again. This is typical brother behavior. Why is Croatin getting away? He's going, hey, guys, calm down. You guys are cool in your own way. No big deal. And Utena's like, yeah, I guess you're giving me a way to save face, I guess, for him too. All right, cool. Wendigo, you lucky I didn't flex on you both. <laughs> yeah yeah whatever kid get in the corner well he's the middle brother is he now I sit here saying it that way because the entire time I saw this story what's that Gaia hmm? was that Gaia who was crying in the beginning oh because it the seems to dreams. me hmm. it seems to me when all the wolves were one and united they were at peace 
Their realm was black and white. Nothing could go bad while they were there. All the problems that happened, the Moonbridge chase the whole nine occurred after, not before. It's like the worm meat. Why couldn't the worm attack them in their old country? Why didn't it come to kill them then? Well, the werewolves were doing their job, united as one. Problem came up, problem get killed, problem get cleansed. We're, this, this is simple. <laughs> there's, there's nothing to write about. We ain't got nothing. Oh, but wait a minute. If we can convince three dumbass brothers to split off and go run and do some type of crazy shit, we're fine. And a worm goes, well, how am I going to do that? Oh, I got you. Oh, I'm your mother. Ain't she going to help me? Okay. <laughs> but that's, but so that's who, not good enough. Who's that? Who is, who's, is that the, 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 the defiler then? So that's, I'm just saying, I put on my silver hat and I sat here and said, <laughs> there's a greater story here that you can get into in the fact that the Croatan never existed. Now, Bob, why would you say that? I submit to you the Isle of Roanoke. <laughs> the story of Roanoke Island is historically accurate. It's 100% events that happened. There's a colony they tried to establish. There's some terrible things. Look it up. But what is known that is the most creepy that I loved about history was the fact that when a certain governor went there, I believe it was even Governor White, went there <laughs> to go see what happened with everything, he gets there and realizes that the story of him telling him that, a, oh, we just baptized the first white baby here that was born in that great European baby here in that awesome Native American lands. And we got this Native American chief whose son who said he's going to now be like prince of the area and accepts Christ as his savior. Isn't that cool? So we now are becoming one happy settlement. But when the governor actually gets there, there's nobody there. There's nobody in the entire settlement. Food's left out, cooking in the middle of being done. Sewing and crafts were like laid out as if the people were there and just disappeared. No one's there. But what did he find in a tree when they were there on the outside scouting? He found the word carved into it, Croatan. <laughs> and Croatan is a native tribe that was out there. Now, we know this much. They were spooked enough that they said, enough, enough of this. We're getting on a boat. We're getting out of here to get like British soldiers to come back and look and see, get a real look. And then they had trouble finding their way to that fort and screw it back to England. But the Spanish came down with the ship and looked on shore and saw Native Americans playing with British instruments out there in the field as their boats went by. And they said, OK, so historically, they were like, we got evidence that these natives were up to no good. That they really which, didn't want us there. Which is <laughs> which is weird, right? Because it turns out a bunch of people at the settlement died and just like went over and was like, can we live with you guys? And the natives were like, sure, behave yourselves. <laughs> so they just like bring over the last of their supplies and there's miscegenation. Yay, some people we we live. But the Europeans assumed all of the all of the dirty, scary, spooky natives ate our village. We gotta come back here look, and do something about this. Look, look, we don't know, Mike. We don't know here. You're not wearing a silver hat and coming here with me on this. We know it was the Croatan tribe. Yeah, right, right. This was their descendants. That's all I'm saying. There's a tie here. I'm saying the Croatan could be the most evil worm tribe there ever was. <laughs> they live in the ground. They're the original white howlers. They just took a rebranding. They went into their tail. They tricked them hard. That's what happened. Um, folks, that's it for the podcast. Me goofing <laughs> off at this. Um, that's uh, that's stuff that's fun to play with. I just enjoy that story attached to it because of where, who knows where they got the idea for the tribe from. I, I think, I think we just said it, but the point is um, it's a fun read. It's a great book. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, thanks, DJ and Mike, for coming on this. And folks, uh, we got more coming. Finally, we give you the Croatan. Yes, there's a lot more. No, we didn't finish it. Perhaps. 
<laughs> excuse me, perhaps a uh, Patreon thing will come or whatever we'll do for our fans. Uh, but that'll be it. Talk to you guys later. Later. Take it easy. Thank you for listening to our 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you liked what you heard, please reach out and let us know on Twitter at 25 years of VTM at our email info at 25 years VTM.com on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash 25 years VTM or on our website www.25yearsvtm.com If you would like to support us, we can be found at patreon.com slash 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade.